0: You will find our Bible reading in the Gospel according to John and chapter 4 and I'm going to read the last section of this chapter from verse 43 to the end. it's on page 1068, 1068 in the Bibles that are in the pews. We don't have pews, why do we still say that? <laughs> habit, habit. John 4 at 43. After the, two, after the two days he left for Galilee, now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honour in his own country when he arrived in Galilee the Galileans welcomed him they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast for they also had been there once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine and there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told him you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. This was the second miraculous sign that Jesus performed having come from Judea to Galilee. I've brought something to show you this evening. Uh, This is my camera. You have a picture on there because it's a bit small for you to see. It's um, not as modern as some of your cameras. I've had it for six years, so things have progressed technologically in the last six years. it does have a very useful feature on it. On the front here it has a little button and it's called a zoom which means that I can when I switch it on I can look through here and I can see a little bit of the church congregation with some detail or I can zoom it and I can see a lot more of the congregation uh, but not in so much detail. That's what uh, Zoom features all about on cameras. And now we are beginning today one of the series of stories in John's Gospel. And the reason why I've used that little picture to you today is to remind you that John is doing exactly that. John is telling us stories which we can either see in some detail Or we can see them against the bigger picture of what he has in mind. Our story in John 4, verse 43 to 54, has been called Jesus meets royalty. It's a stretch to call it royalty. I don't really uh, create these titles that I'm given to preach from. He's called a royal official. It's uh, a bit tricky to translate the actual Greek word which comes from the root of the word for king but it seems unlikely that he was related to King Herod Antipas and uh, the NIV is probably right to say he lived close to the king probably working for the king, probably an official for the king. Now if you're people as old as me and you were brought up on the King James Version Uh, it was the story that you used to know as the nobleman's son he was called a nobleman in the King James Version but that was a lot more years ago than that wasn't it so here we are with somebody who is a a kind of official of the king he's he's a top man in the country he belongs somehow to to royalty now there's a lot of value in our looking in some detail at the story of the man and his faith and what happened to him, we'll do that in a minute But I also want to see see first how that it's part of a much bigger picture that John is drawing for us because the whole of John's Gospel is made up layer upon layer of different stories to build up a big picture. Now we might get to see what that kind of thing means. See, John has a big picture he wants to give you. And this is one line, one story that makes up that bigger picture. And the reason why I want to do that first is because this is what demonstrates that it's for us. It's what shows us this is not just a story about a royal official, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, something happened to him and his family. It matters to us because the whole picture that we have in John's Gospel is something of significance to our lives. So the first main thing we're going to see is that Jesus came to bring us new life. That's the big thing John's Gospel is about. Jesus came to bring us new life. Now, if you look at verse 54, the very last verse of our reading, this was the second miraculous sign Jesus performed having come from Judea to Galilee You can see that he's giving us a marker here. We've had the first sign at the end of chapter 2, now this is the second sign, and he's going to give us more and more signs. And they're all showing the unfolding of the significance of why Jesus came. There's a danger, isn't there, that we're like the person interested in looking at the detail through the camera, we look at that little part and don't see the whole thing. The whole thing is the fact that Jesus came to bring life to the world where sin had brought death. That's why Jesus came. All the Old Testament is a preparation for that. All the New Testament is the dynamic coming and unfolding of that fact. And. John doesn't write his story about Jesus in chronological order. He doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus and then go on towards his death. Yes, the death and resurrection are there, but he's doing it because he's got a theme that he wants to bring home. And if you want to find out what that theme is, you have to go to the, towards the end of John's Gospel in chapter 20. Chapter 20, verse 30 of John's Gospel, Jesus did many other miraculous signs, You see, this is one of them. He did many other miraculous signs in the presence of disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written. This is why I've chosen them. This is why I've chosen this one. This is the next line in the story I'm going to tell you. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now, in that sentence there are the two words that are the most important words in John's Gospel. One is believe, and the other one is life. Jesus came to bring life, and the life he comes is to those who believe in him. This is what John's Gospel is all about. That's the big picture. No wonder we can say it's something that is relevant to us. If you turn over from John chapter 4 to John chapter 5, you'll find a statement that Jesus makes in verse 26, that is a kind of key to the whole thing. The Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. The Son of God has life in himself. He came to bring life to a dead world, a world where sin has created death and all its terrible consequences. This is the big picture he's trying to get over to us. Now the earliest stories in John's Gospel before we get to ours in chapter 4 have already been saying that. They've already been putting in some of the first lines of the story to us. If you look at chapter 1 and verse 4 in him was life and that life was the light of men. He's showing us in chapter 2 in this sign that he gives which the disciples see about the water being turned into wine. He has been showing us he has power over the physical world. He can turn this water into wine. He can make something which is going to be a disaster into a celebration. This is a sign. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. These men are beginning to believe in him because they're seeing the signs of who Jesus is and what he did. Now, we've uh, already looked at some of these incidents in chapter 3. It's a reminder that Jesus came to bring life, even to the religious experts, this man Nicodemus, who thought he had it all made. And uh, Jesus says to him, you've got to be born again. You've got to have life from above. We've seen it too in the uh, story in uh, chapter 4 about this Samaritan woman, this outcast this one who was uh, regarded as a nobody by people around, Jesus can give life to her. And the living water is the story of the life that he brought to her. This is a, a great demonstration of how God is building, John is building up this picture for us. And when you look at the very last verse before our reading tonight, verse 42, the Samaritan woman has met with the Lord Jesus, she's believed in him, And she's testified to her friends and they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. You see how this picture is unfolding. Not just a saviour for the Jews, not just for the Samaritans, but he's the saviour of the world. He came to bring life to a dead world. Now that's God's message for us, isn't it? That's what he's saying to us through this story here. Jesus is using these pictures of physical things which are reminders of spiritual realities because Jesus came with this eternal priority of bringing eternal life to us. So if you look back at chapter 1, the, the picture of baptism is used, not because it's a matter of water, it's a matter of the, the Holy Spirit bringing new life to those who need him. In chapter 3, the picture is of natural birth. Nicodemus couldn't understand how he had to be born again. Well, it's really all about spiritual life, Jesus is saying. And now here, in chapter 4, we have a story and introduces for the first time in John's Gospel the terrible word, death. Do you know there's a book that was written by a Christian minister a few years ago I don't know whether it's still in print it's called The Last Thing We Talk About Don't people don't want to hear about it, do they? and yet sadly there are many, many people tonight out there in the dark glorifying the things that have to do with death no wonder we are here celebrating the things that have to do with life that have to do with the Lord Jesus Christ who brought into this dead world his power, his life. Yes, he died. He died in order to defeat death. And John's going to explain that later in the story. He's going to show how that Jesus comes to bring resurrection life to those who believe in him. Jesus is here now for our generation to bring us life. And we are here celebrating it in this story so let's look now at one of the particular things that comes out of this story which is of relevance to us that Jesus came to bring life to top people as well have you ever thought of that? he came to bring life to top people why does John choose this story about a royal official? isn't God more interested in the outcasts and the poor and the Samaritan woman? Well, it's both, isn't it? Jesus is interested in top people as well. Now, our generation is obsessed with this matter of celebrities, isn't it? Celebrities mean everything to everybody. Whether they're the royal princes, whether they're these television personalities, whether they're the sports people who... Uh, get into all kinds of difficulties with the poor wages they're on and have to go on strike until they receive a little few more thousand. The the whole idea of celebrities is something that's obsessed our generation. I don't quite know who has the list, but there's this phrase people use, the A-list, the A-list, the top people. I was just uh, walking through Sainsbury's pushing the trolley the other day and I happened to pass where they have all the magazines. And I looked at the magazines there. Do you know all these magazines? They're not about how to make a better life for yourself. They're about the celebrities. All these magazines, because people are obsessed with the top people. Once you do become a top person, I believe it's quite rough, because you have a lot of people who are then wanting to photograph you when you get up in the morning and want to make life difficult for you so they can get more stuff for their magazines or for their reports. But you know here's a story that says a top man in Israel he still has trouble he still faces the human problems that we all face he has a family and he has sickness in his family and it's a sad story he's got a fever and he's close to death top people still have human problems we have a prime minister who's family involved a child with special needs these celebrities they don't seem to manage marriage very well do they there seem to be an awful lot of sadness and breakdowns in their marriages and you know something that they don't really want to to understand and don't want to take on board is the fact that despite all the anti-wrinkle creams despite all the Botox and despite all the surgery, they're going to die. They're going to age and they're going to die. Whatever other people say, the Bible says man is appointed to die. And it includes top people as well. Death is something real for everybody, including the top people. Now, that is actually hard for some of these top people to believe because some of them once they get to the top of the ladder think that they can manage everything after all it's often their money that's got them there or somebody else's money and they think that when their money they've got money they can pay for things and they can buy popularity and they can buy fame and they can buy their cars and their houses and all those things but having the money doesn't stop sickness coming to the family and it doesn't top this man having a very grave situation in his family it's not true that people can buy all these things and buy themselves out of trouble so if that's the case if Jesus came to bring new life to top people too I think we should be praying for top people more than we do we should be taking more interest in their spiritual needs God is concerned for them Jesus is concerned for this man and he's concerned in a way which interests me if you look at verse 45 here he is living in Galilee and he hears that Jesus has been doing wonderful things in Jerusalem and so he comes to find Jesus when he hears Jesus has arrived in in Judea, he went to in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and he begs him to come and heal his son he walked 16 hilly miles to get there, when he had to go home it took him more than one day because we read later that it was the day after when he met his friends and God is concerned and Jesus is concerned to help this man I must admit, I've been a bit rebuked in preparing this this week because I don't think I pray enough for top people. Turn with me please to 1 Timothy 2. This is page 1192 in the Bibles that we have. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Paul is writing to Timothy and this is what he says. I urge then first of all that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone in my own family and the people are closest to me. Is that all? No. For kings and all those in authority. Does that mean members of the Aylesbury Vale District Council Planning Committee? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Yes, we do pray for that kind of thing sometimes. We want everything to be smooth for us. So we pray for them as long as they're going to govern and do things that are all right for us. But that's not where it stops. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul says to Timothy you should be praying for people in authority for top people that they should be saved. Do we ever do that? Do we ever think about praying for members of the government? Members of the royal family? I once read a comment on this verse saying we don't pray for these people because we don't really think it can happen. Well if God could reach Saul of Tarsus persecutor of the church can't he reach top people in our communities too let me take you a few examples that came to me as I was thinking about it during the week Okay, what about the MPs I was visiting my daughter in Stafford last weekend and she told us that at the recent election they had a new member of parliament and he's a Christian so here is this man an MP in the House of Commons don't you think he's trying to witness to some of his friends there isn't he someone placed there as God has put you in your home to be a witness hasn't God placed that man there to be a witness we should be praying for him and people like him that are witnesses I read a few years ago about the fact that the Church of Scotland minister who is in Balmoral Church who has the royal family in his congregation for sure every year was a gospel man, an evangelical. Shouldn't we be praying for people in touch with royalty in that way? Then what about all the people who are the so-called celebrities in the arts and entertainment industry? We have a close friend, she's retired now, but she was a member of the English National Opera and she used to travel the world with opera stars. She was only in the chorus but she met with all these people and she was praying for them and witnessing to them. There is a group of Christians active in the arts and entertainment industry who long for us to support them in our prayers. God is interested in the outcasts. Thank God he is. But he's also interested in the top people royal officials and that's something that this story is telling us about. John has included it in his whole picture to show us that that's one aspect of the love of God he loves the top people beyond our reach that we will never even talk to because he loves the whole world and he came to bring life for them as well as for us But we must come to the third part. Jesus came to bring new life. He came to bring new life to top people. He came to bring new life to believers. This is about how this man came to believe in Jesus. The story is all about believing. The last verse says, this was the verse 53 rather says, Your son will live so he and all his household believed now the faith of this man is very helpful in our experience of believing too because it's a kind of pattern for us it's a pattern in this sense that he came to believe in Jesus gradually I'm very keen that we should understand this I didn't come to faith in Jesus in one instant Many people come to faith in Jesus gradually, little by little. You can trace it here if you like. He had enough faith to call for Jesus to come and help him. He had enough faith to believe that Jesus could heal his son. He had enough faith when Jesus said, go, your son will live, to take Jesus at his word. That's so important in verse 50, isn't it? To take Jesus at his word. And then when he hears the news that his son is alive then he and his family believe coming to faith is often a matter of several stages gradually some of you like me may receive the annual report of the Universities and Colleges Christian Fellowship, UCCF in their annual report that came through my door the other day there are a couple of stories about students, I want to read just two of them to you Praise God for Will. He became a Christian through the combined work of many branches of Southampton University Christian Union. He was warmly welcomed by Christian freshers. He then got into many conversations through, now some of you may know what text the toasty is, it's somehow to do with food and uh, getting to know God's word. He then went along to a mission week and had long conversations with the missioner. He then went to a seeker course before committing his life to Christ. It's great to see, the report says, how the whole CU was involved in this long process. Will has become a Christian. He's believed in Jesus through a long process. On the same page, is another story. This term has been a particular highlight for one Swansea student who has faithfully been witnessing to her flatmate over the last three years. Her flatmate has been to many CU events, mission weeks, and regularly went to church with her. Despite all this, the gospel didn't seem to be having an impact on her. Christian friends continued to pray, and make the most of every opportunity to answer the questions she had. And finally, at the end of May, she committed her life to following Jesus. She's believed in Jesus. What a fantastic encouragement, the report says, for all of us to keep persevering in friendship and prayer for the people we live and work with. It's not hard to begin to pray for somebody to become a Christian. What's hard is keeping it on. But here, God is reminding us that faith doesn't always come instantaneously. It often comes gradually. We must keep on praying for people and keep on believing that this is God's way, layer upon layer, until he grants them the life they need. But I think this man's faith is a lesson for us in another way. Did you notice verse 48 when we were reading it through? Jesus says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. What's all that about? Well, Jesus knows there are some people who just want to see stunts. They want to see something dramatic happening. And unless something dramatic is happening, they say, well, there can't be anything in it. Jesus actually uses the plural here. He's saying, you people. He's talking about the Jews around him. You people. You're always looking for for signs and wonders. Now, the journey of faith may begin by doing something miraculous, as it did for this man here. A physical miracle was granted. This boy, close to death, was now alive. And I think there's a bit of a lesson for us here because we mustn't stop praying for people when their need is only at the level of their physical health. You've got friends haven't you? They don't pray but when things are going bad for them, they pray and they ask you to pray. Now we shouldn't say, oh of course you can't pray yet because you're not a Christian, only those who come through the blood of Jesus are able to have access to the throne, you shouldn't be praying for those things until you're a Christian you don't say that do you you say yes I'll pray for you because this life giving this loving God is concerned for all manner of people and if it's a concern to this noble man then it's a concern to Jesus And when he begs Jesus further and says come down before my child goes dies Jesus answers his prayer now it's a very deep mystery to us isn't it why Jesus doesn't seem to answer all our prayers with a miracle. Has he changed? Is God no less able to grant miraculous healing today? Well, of course God is the same. But the Bible doesn't tell us that he's going to create a miracle every time. He doesn't even say that all that doctors can do is always going to mean healing from sickness. What he does say is to every one of his children we're going to have a new body one day and we shan't have any more pain and we shan't have any more anxieties or anything to cause us suffering. I had a prayer letter from a young friend who's just gone out to be a teacher in Africa this week and she's got little children in her class and one of the children said to her last week you much look much nicer without your glasses I bet you can't wait to heaven till you won't need them anymore. (laughs) We won't need our glasses, we won't need our hearing aids, we won't need our sticks or our potions or our pills because God will give us a new body. God is the God who can do these things. He is the God of life and of power. But those miracles, when they do occur, are only a starting point. They're only the beginning of this unfolding of faith. Look again at chapter 2 on that miracle of the water and the wine. This is the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana. This is chapter 2.11. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. The effect of these miracles is to display the glory of Jesus so that people put their faith in him. The lesson is Yes, we should be praying for God to show care and compassion for people in desperate need, even if they're close to death. But the purpose of that is not so that we should be patched up and then go on our way and forget all about Jesus afterwards and say, well now I'm better, I won't think about him. The purpose of that is to show us who Jesus is that he is the life giver he is the one I need to believe in and that's the significance of these signs but there's one more way in which this official's faith is an example to us can you imagine what happened when this official got home we know He's buoyed up on the way home by meeting his his servants who say, All right, your son's alive now. He's already rejoicing about that. But when he gets home, how does he greet the boy? How does he greet his wife? How does he greet the other members of his family? Well, all that joy and all that enthusiasm is something in which he says, It's not because of me, it's because of Jesus. And what happened? Well, you can see it there in verse 53. The father realized this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and all his household believed. He told his family and his servants and then they believed. He's a believer already by now. But he's a witness to them. And they are believers too. Look at the end of the previous story. The story of the Samaritan woman. Verse 39 Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. If you're a believer tonight, what your task is this week is to go and show people around you that Jesus is real, is to go and show by the way in which you respond to what's happening that you know that Jesus is the one who gave you life. And because he gave life to you, he can give life to top people as well. He can give life to all who believe in him. This man not only became a believer, he became a witness and his family believed also. Just one footnote to this story before we close it was trouble big trouble family trouble that brought this royal official to Jesus you realise that if his son hadn't been ill he would never have become a believer if that big trouble hadn't hit his family he might never have come to know Jesus at all I read Spurgeon's sermon on this text before I came into the pulpit And the first point that Spurgeon makes in his sermon on this story is about trouble. He says, Trouble may be the black horse which mercy rides on to reach your door. Trouble may be the black horse that mercy rides on to reach your door. We're going to face trouble We're going to face family trouble and sickness, trouble and bad trouble. But trouble can do one of two things. It can either harden us. How could God possibly allow this to happen to me? Or it can soften us and help us to see that God has a much bigger picture to show us. A much bigger story that whatever trouble is in in this life, through Jesus Christ we have life eternal why did John write this? so that by believing we may have life in his name if our troubles bring us closer to Jesus enjoying life in his name then we can be a testimony to others as well